I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, here with Sam Monson, where the team is back together. We've had, we've had a, an erratic run here. A lot of illnesses. A lot of illnesses. Between the two of us. We're back for now. Let's try to put two, to, two in a row together here yeah. today and tomorrow. In the studio. Nobody getting sick. So we're live on YouTube. Everybody join us. Let's go. Everybody join us on YouTube. We're live. We're reacting to all the... So we're going to re- react live if news comes in. Mm. That's what we're going to do. But we're going to Free agency hasn't started yet. It hasn't even started. There's Hours nothing to away. talk about. Nothing to talk about. As far as uh, whatever. Free agency goes. Yeah. Do you want to go for two hours today? I mean, let's see. let's see what we have. That's how much we have blocked off in the schedule. Let's see how long Always. we can talk. So we're going to get into our instant reactions or, you know, based off of free agency so far, what we've liked, what we haven't liked so far, stuff that's still coming down the pipe, new rumors and Baker Mayfield sad and Deshaun Watson's on the move and there's all sorts of stuff. We yeah. did do a Deshaun Watson daily yesterday, though. Correct. So go listen to that. We're not talking about him today. Except via Baker. Except about the Baker stuff. Yeah. But it's a Watson-free show. For the most part. Is that fair? Unless news happens, in which case we'll have to talk about it. Do you have any uh, overarching uh, thoughts on free agency so far? Themes? Um, I get, what are the themes? There's a few teams that have gone out there and gotten business done early regardless of the business. So usually in the past, free agency has been very much tiered, right? Like you go after the big names right up top. And then once the big names are kind of done, you focus on the lesser names. The second wave. Yeah, you kind of work your way down almost the hierarchy of NFL players. What you're seeing, I think, now is a team say, well, we want tier two players, but what's the point in waiting, right? So the Carolina Panthers did this last year, and it looked stupid because they they signed bad players, right? But Man, the Panthers are becoming the Christian Hackenberg of the show here. You cannot go a show without throwing a dart. Process-wise, what they did actually made a lot of sense, which is, well, what's the point in waiting for everybody else to get into this bidding war as well? We want these two players. Let's get them on day one of free agency when everybody else is focused on the big names. So this time, Cincinnati did that, right? They went out and got a couple of offensive linemen, upgraded immediately their offensive line, including one in the first two minutes of free agency, um, each of whom I think would have been in that second wave conversation. But they went, well, what's the, like, I'm not waiting for the second wave. Let's get them done now. Let's beat everybody else to the punch, and let's immediately get these guys secured. So I think that's one trend is you're starting to see teams not bothering to wait for the main dominoes to fall before they start picking off the guys that they actually want. And I quite like that as a strategy. Another theme seems to be, we were talking about this earlier off air, the cornerback market is very weird. Yeah, that's and where I was going to go, yep. Really low price. These guys are not going for a giant sum of money. And I wonder if we're just reaching a point where, like, there's three corners in the NFL maybe where you can be pretty confident that they're going to be able to shut down. 
the majority of receivers are going up against in any given season. Everybody else, it's not random, but it's wildly unstable and it fluctuates year to year. And it's it might not be worth paying big money for that anymore. Yeah, we've talked about this before, right? The idea of, of stability from year to year or, or what can you predict from year to year. And I think, you know, certainly – um, we know from a PFF standpoint, just using our grades or using wins above replacement or whichever metric we use, we actually – our numbers do a better job of predicting trench play as far as offensive line, defensive line. I think the NFL historically has done a better job of identifying those players, p- identifying good coverage players who can be consistent year to year is always a challenge, right? You do have – there's always, you know, Hall of Fame caliber players that you can – you could bank on the Darrell Revises or Richard Sherman's of the world, Chris Harris, maybe up in that boat. But most of the time, just back seven play is so much a product of, of who you play, right? Of, um, you know, schematic stuff, but also who you play offensively and how difficult your schedule is and all that. So predicting coverage play is challenging, no matter what you're using, whether it's PFF grades, whether it's just pure scouting, whether it's, you know, traits-based analysis, whatever it is. So I do wonder if the, if, if NFL teams, it, to me, it, what I'd sum it up is they're, they're paying more for certainty. And the perimeter players, receivers and corners, where there's more volatility and more payoff, by the way. There's more payoff if those guys hit, but they're more volatile. I don't think teams are paying for those positions as much. Now, the Jags have thrown the market out of whack a little bit yeah. with the Christian Kirk deal. But other than that, like you're not, you're not like Allen Robinson's still out there, right? You're, you're seeing... You're not seeing break-the-bank type of moves for receivers. Uh, Chris Godwin hasn't signed a long-term deal yet with the Bucs. You've got franchise. Devontae Adams still figuring out his long-term deal with the Buc- with the Packers. He's He's been franchised. So there's a lot more conservative moves, I think, at receiver and corner. The other thing I was thinking is, is this because of surplus issues at receiver, right? Is this because the NFL has had an influx of receiver talent, as we've talked about, and there's been far more drafted, and that means there's going to be some good players hitting the streets at some point. So that second wave of free agency isn't now. It's going to happen at some point, when maybe even after the draft, when good receivers get pushed out. And then from a cornerback standpoint, we saw the NFL play a lot more zone last year, right? Are they, are they this in the weeds in their team-building discussions? Are more teams just relying less on man, more on zone? Where you, It's not that you don't want to have good corners, but you can deal with a lesser cornerback room if you're playing more cover two, if you're playing more conservative type of coverages rather than playing uh, old school press man. I mean, the receiver market, I think, is kind of chaotic right now, generally, because there's a bunch of different contracts that are throwing it out of whack. Whereas like most most positions, the contracts all make sense within a, a certain uh, distribution. With receiver, you already had the, the DeAndre Hopkins contract making a mess out of everything, which is why the Devontae Adams thing is still ongoing, right? Because the Packers, Devontae Adams has been saying, I'm the best receiver in the game. I want to be paid like the best receiver in the game. Reasonable. Um, The Packers have been, again, reasonably saying, yeah, but the DeAndre Hopkins contract is just such an outlier. We don't want to go there. So there's, um, there's been this standoff between the two. Now you've got a Christian Kirk contract out there as well, throwing it out of whack. And all of a sudden... You have a bunch of different contracts that are kind of all over the place with wide receiver. So I think that makes, say, an Allen Robinson deal just a difficult one to get going. And I wonder if if some of the wide receiver stuff is simply because 
it's not it doesn't have this like nice neat you know linear progression of contract values they're kind of all over the map and that's causing some problems when it comes to these free agent negotiations i think that's definitely a, a big part of it right deandre hawkins being a big issue here um anything else from a trend standpoint i think those are the big ones that stand out for me right it's it's the Teams are paying for certainty, and I think what you said is is getting the players that they want, but at the right price, too. Um, the guard market, too. We've talked a lot about guards, right? We discussed some of those, our favorite moves on the PFF NFL Daily. Uh, today, some of our favorite moves, a lot of them are guards. We, we When we were fixing your team in five minutes over the last couple of weeks, we mentioned a lot of teams that just need to fill out starting spots along their offensive line, and I think teams have done a pretty good job of finding those players. And here's the other little trend, too. A lot of those guards that got signed are guys that have gotten better in years three and four. The Austin Corbett's of the world, the Connor Williams of the world, guys who maybe started out slow and then became pretty good players as they got better. Alex Kappas continued to improve every year. Ted Karras kind of came on late. All those guys are signing good contracts. I do wonder if that's another trend around the NFL. There's this debate about whether or not, because you only get a guy for four years, right, when you draft him. Do you want to draft a player who's going to deal with some subpar years and develop him for someone else? Or do you want to just wait and get the, the veteran when they hit year, year five, when they've gone through their, their lumps? As an offensive lineman, I'm just saying this is a position where that, uh, they tend to bloom a little bit later. Is that you know, something you want to do? So not to completely give up on offensive line in the draft, but maybe that's a, a viable strategy. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder with if you're drafting a player to develop him how long is that going to take because unless that's happening halfway into that deal it's not worth it for you like you're not gaining anything from that you're wasting not wasting you're spending a roster spot to keep that guy around for multiple years while you try and develop him if he's not developed all the time he's playing up until that point is probably bad for you and then potentially you lose the guy as soon as he ends up uh, being good or you have to stump up big money to keep him like note boom with the los angeles rams now the one thing that offsets some of that is if he then walks away and signs a big contract you can get the pick back right you get a compensatory selection back potentially so it's not a total loss but i do think like this whole landscape now is not easy and not simple and there's no one way of doing it we're seeing the los angeles rams pioneer a very different strategy of team building and how you play draft picks and all this kind of stuff and the the compensatory picks just got announced the rams get five so again they're picking eight times in this draft the idea they just trade away everything not true they trade away the picks of substance but they they have a pick in the third round they have eight picks in this draft they do have draft picks um so how teams play the compensatory system and the the net loss or gain from free agency is still an interesting aspect. Yeah, I want to get into some of the team-centric stuff, but first, the NFL podcast, the PFF NFL podcast, is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home? Planning to start a family? Wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, let's get into some of the team specifics. We have a lot of people saying we don't talk about the Ravens enough. It's probably like two people. Okay. But um, Ravens signed Morgan Moses. They did. Should we save that for later? I mean, that's, that's the guy. Second yeah. straight year. 
do you have like a video prepared for him as well? Uh, not until he retires. Okay. And he might be a couple years away from that, but uh, we'll have a we'll have an, a retirement video for Morgan Moses. Now he might be even better. He's probably better than Villanueva. Yeah. He's better than the great Villanueva. Villanueva's yeah. done. We 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 did our send off. Team Morgan Moses. Guy doesn't miss time. He's durable. Just a beautiful, slightly above average right tackle. That's Is he great. Going to start. What? Is he even going to start? Yes. Over whom? Patrick McCarry. Yeah, McCarry's going to be their swing guy. McCarry can play any. He's McCarry's an all five positions guy. Why isn't Morgan Moses the swing guy? Because he's a starting right tackle <laughs> with a better history, track record than McCarry. Getting five million a year. It's not necessarily starting. It's right not tackle huge money. money. I mean, Morgan hasn't played on the left side as much. You can move McCarry around. I think more than Morgan, uh, Moses. The uh, the Ravens are one of those teams that play generally play the compensatory draft pick system. They have more compensatory selections in any team since that's been a thing, since the NFL instituted that as a practice. Um, several more, in fact, which is particularly interesting because the Ravens, uh, the, the system came in before the Ravens were the Ravens. You know yeah. what I mean? So there's a couple of years where they literally weren't a thing. They were the Cleveland Browns um, before this is even being counted. So essentially the Ravens, way more than any other team, deliberately play this game of let's let guys walk let's develop them in the draft let's get the additional comp picks but this year they've signed a couple of guys morgan moses and marcus williams the safety to a pretty big deal for marcus williams it does seem that you know the ravens signed earl thomas a couple years ago they've uh they dive in to the safety market a little bit there was uh, there's rumors about tyron matthew i think those were before marcus williams signed i assume they're not going to bring tyron matthew as well uh, Matthew's an interesting one. He's still out there, and uh, you know, he's got the. He's got. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to say it. People are tweeting out to remind people that Tyron Matthew's still out there. That's all. Okay, but he's out there. Um, anyway, the Ravens with Marcus Williams. He's a very good player. I think too many people remember Marcus Williams for the Minnesota Miracle. He needs to find some other like signature play because that is. It's still the thing that you remember Marcus Williams for, even though since that point, and in fact before that point, he's basically been good every year of his NFL career at everything. But the one, the worst play he's ever had in his life was like face down, launching himself at yeah. the floor while Stephon Diggs climbed over the top for a, a catch that eventually became the Minneapolis Miracle. When all, Minneapolis anybody, rem miracle, all anybody remembers is that picture of Marcus Williams just looking at the ground as he points his head forward nowhere near the play. It's unfortunate. The dude deserves better than that. Again, we, we mentioned how difficult it is to find consistency on the back end. I do think when you find it, though, it's meaningful, right? And Williams has been fourth, seventh, and seventh in our in PF, overall PFF grades over the last three years as far as safety goes. Third most valuable, fifth most valuable, twelfth most valuable. I mean, those those are good consistent numbers at safety. Um, so I like the move for the Ravens. I like Marcus Williams quite a bit. Um, when you see some of these players, we're, we're deep enough into our um, PFF college world where, where we have data on all these guys back in college. Remember, there was this point where it seemed like there were no free safety prospects for a while. Right. It was all the college was feeding the NFL a bunch of box safeties, which are uh, probably more replaceable than like a good, true free safety. But the two guys that I think stood out in the early years of PFF college, 2014 through 17, say, Marcus Williams and Kevin Byard, both guys that had 
just good, pure free safety skills. Not always single high free safety. Marcus Williams could play too high. He does a lot of good stuff. But he's a good all-around free safety, much like a Kevin Byard, two of the best to come in in recent years. And obviously that's been borne out by not only grades, but also those guys getting paid. It feels like some of the money that used to be going to cornerbacks is going to safeties. I don't know if this pivot towards too high type of defenses again is is leading the NFL to pay more money towards safeties, but that's the way it seems like some of the money is flowing right now. And I'm not 100% sure that that makes sense intuitively because it's not – the pivot towards too high defenses is not the way it used to be, right? It's not like everybody's just running Tampa 2 where cornerbacks were genuinely sort of protected and minimized and, like, they didn't have to do some of the things that other people had to do. A lot of it is is a move towards quarters type of coverages, which is effectively man coverage. Like, but that's but the thing about quarters, that essentially. So you know, look, we have we have a varying range of of listeners to ex, to explain quarters. It is essentially man coverage. It's off man coverage, but the safety is not playing safety there necessarily. He's in man as well. Yeah, and well, my he's point in is, man against a slot or a tight end which puts even more pressure Agreed. on that safety. But my point is you can't just look at that. It's not like you can't look at it the same way you could look as a Tampa 2 corner and say, well, this guy doesn't have to do nearly half as much as you know a corner in a different system, so we can afford to pay him less, look at lesser athletes, look at lesser players. A corner playing in a team that runs a lot of quarters still has to do a load of stuff. Like that guy still has to play man coverage a lot and often isolated without safety help because – the safety is busy in man coverage doing something else or covering, you know, pattern matching various other uh, elements of the, the play. So I get why you might want to pay safeties more in a quarters defense. I'm not sure you can afford to do it at the expense of the corner. And by the way, all of these defenses are way more diverse and multiple than they used to be in old, you know, Tampa 2 style defenses. Like even quarters heavy teams now are running a ton of cover one and cover three and, you know, everything. So, again, I'm just not sure I'm on board at the idea of taking the money from corners to pay safeties. It feels a lot like, uh, what's the phrase, robbing from Peter to pay Paul? It's a lot like that. doesn't feel like a great idea. Yeah, I mean, look, some of the studies I've done as far as which, you know, looking at coverages and where they put pressure based off PFF grades – it, might, it, it does sound intuitive, though, but more zone-heavy coverages, and that includes everything you're mentioning, whether it's quarters, whether it is to cover, cover three, it does put more pressure from a grading standpoint as a results standpoint on safeties and linebackers. And I do think that might be part of the reason why we see these things happen. And remember last year in the draft, there were four linebackers drafted at the same time there was, say, one defensive lineman. There were four linebackers drafted in the first round. The safety market's changing. The cornerback market's cooling a little bit i do wonder if a lot of that's schematic or is it you know a supply and demand type of thing another theme by the way that has only just occurred to me is that we we seem to be in a world now where players are way bigger recruiters than they ever used to be or maybe it happened it just wasn't on social media but every every good nfl player is out here like stumping for the the available free agents on you know Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is, they are firing out messages. They are trying to woo all these guys over. Tom Brady doesn't even appear to have to do any of that. It's just it, the aura. They just like gravitate toward him like a magnet. But have you seen Darius Leonard out here with all his, his tweets? Yeah. He's got some pretty good ones. Darius Leonard is every super fan 
either in uh, for a college program on like signing day. Yeah. When he's like, hey, come to L- you know, this come one. to LSU. We'll treat you right. You know, he's over there recruiting every free agent. Come to the Colts. You'd look great with Forrest Buckner. Come on, Chandler. The, yeah, the, that's my favorite one. At Chandler Jones, 55. Hear me out, man. Last year, you had five sacks against Tennessee. Eyeballs emojis. <laughs> we play them twice a year. So if you've got five sacks in one game, imagine facing them twice a year. Eyeball emojis. Boy, that would be amazing. At DeForest Buckner, help me out here. That's the best part of Darius Leonard. It's not just come join us. It's like there's some research going into this. Oh, yeah. Right? That's, like he's, that is doing, good. he's putting in the legwork. It's not working well. I mean, I've seen sure. more players be like, man, this recruiting stuff is tough. It's tough. But they're, uh, they're out there. They're out there working. Colts are an interesting team. Well, they, I want to get it. Having traded away Carson Wentz, they're one of the teams still waiting for the music to stop and the, the chairs to stop moving around and hopefully have a quarterback. Which takes us to Baker Mayfield. The Baker Mayfield trademark. And before we get into that, reminder, we've got uh, is a free agency 30. We have 30% off right now, all PFF subscriptions. It's not NFL pod, which gives you only 25% off. It's free agency 30, free agency 30. 30% off any PFF subscri- subscription right now. You get all of PFF's locked article contents, the NFL draft guide, completely unlocked mock draft simulator, all of our free agent rankings, everything on the site, data and grades for the entire 2021 season. It's all a part of your PFF subscription. So you get 30% off using free agency 30. You could still get 25% off using the promo code NFL pod. Mm. Sorry, Tyler. I didn't give you the heads up there. You can use either one, but use free agency 30 what? for the 30%. Off. I'm no math genius, but I would use the 30% off one. I would too. I would use that. I don't know how long we're going to have it while it's available. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we're going to circle back to NFL pod after free yeah. agency 30 is over. But for the moment that will give you more off, which I believe is yeah. a good thing for you. And then, and then just because we like to get credit, you just email, you know, <laughs> PFF help or whatever you can email and just say, Hey, kudos to the PFF NFL podcast for pointing us in this direction for 30% off. Sure. Great time to do it. So the Baker Mayfield trade market pa- Baker, um, as is what you do today, you go into your notes section. I, go to, you go to your notes. I've literally never used the notes app. Ever. Really? I have yeah, a lot of notes. Never, never done it. I've got a lot of reminders here. Uh, my wife and I share the, our uh, grocery list on here. Yeah. So you she can read update it? the grocery list. The grocery list but you Vegas. go into your notes and uh, you pull, pull your, your heart, heart out. out. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I'm going to read it. Yeah. Cleveland, comma. Oh, see, we, we should wait. We need some... We need some music for this, I think. Need some music? Don't no. you think? Maybe no, in the audio no. version we could get some music in here. The past four years have been nothing short of truly life-changing since I heard my name called in the draft to go to Cleveland. That's not a message with a hidden meaning. This is strictly to thank the city of Cleveland for embracing my family and me. Uh, we've made memory, many memories and shared growing in this process all through the ups and downs. I have no clue what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence I've had during the duration of this process. I can only control what I can, which is trusting in God's plan throughout the process. Uh, I've given this franchise everything I have. That's something I've always done at every stage and at every level, and that will not change wherever I take my next snap. Wherever I take my next snap. Whatever happens, I just want to say thank you to the fans who truly embraced who I am and the mentality that aligns so well with this city's hardworking people. Cleveland will always be a part of Emily and my story. We will always be thankful for the impact it's had it and will have on in our lives. Sincerely, Baker Reagan Mayfield. <laughs> I hope our mics picked that up. No, I don't think they did. But Tyler's uh, Tyler's Browns fan producer Adam. Tyler is screaming at us right yeah. now. He's gonna he's trying to like cut this entire segment. 
I he, like, he didn't even read the goodbye out of disgust. I like that he dropped his middle name, Reagan. Yeah. yeah. He did. So that's a little something. BRM. That sounds BRM pretty... Guy. I mean, that doesn't sound good. It sounds like Baker's expecting not to be there. Which, to be fair, <laughs> is reasonable given, you know, the team is out here trying to woo Deshaun Watson. They're Look, sending emissaries to Watson. Glass, glass half full guy, me, over here, again. Here's what it's going to be. The Watson deal fails. For the Browns. Probably. And all Maybe. you need, I, I've, I've heard someone else bring this up before. You know, Baker's the, the chip on his shoulder type of guy. He's the underdog. Yeah. But he can't be the underdog when, you, when you're the number one overall pick. I mean, you can. But no, you're not. You're the number one overall pick. Not enough people are doubting you. Now the people are really doubting you. So here's the thing, right? That's what Baker's always fed off of. Nothing's so, really changed. But the what? They're, the Browns are entertaining Deshaun Watson. Yes. They have but, a trade offer out there. Yeah. So I think this is a hedge by Baker. But like, right? if, they, if the trade goes through, I'm out, obviously. Sure. But for the Browns, if the trade doesn't go through, I think you're going to get the uber-motivated Baker. Right? He might cut down on the commercials this offseason, try a little harder, even though he said he's tried as hard as he can. You're going to get motivated Baker this year. Year five. Yeah. Contract time. You're going to get the best I mean, of Baker Mayfield. It was a contract time last time as well, and he, he chipped it Yeah, out. but he tore his shoulder out and stuff. Because he's, he's gritty and he's a competitor and he tried to make a tackle. Yeah. Let me finish my point, Sam. I was trying to make a whole point, and you, you have something to say. I'll let you go. What, what's your point? Um, it's not a goodbye. It's a hedge. It's like, if I get traded by Cleveland, and then the Browns aren't going to trade him because the Watson thing's going to fall through. Watson's going to New Orleans. He's going to be a saint. Just a team, right? Saint. Yes. And then Browns get the best of Baker Mayfield. They just they're gonna roll with him. Motivated Baker. Okay. I so all right. We go we we go back to the start of last year, week two, Baker tries to make the tackle. Makes the tackle? He he made it, right? Didn't he stop the guy? I think he made it. Okay. Makes the tackle. Uh tears the shoulder in the process. Right? Yeah, like terrible interception, saves the play. Makes the tackle, tears his shoulder. Probably not worth it. So from that point, it's like, well, he's going to play the entire season, you know, gritted out through the torn shoulder. And I was making this point all the way through the season. All he's doing is putting himself in a worse situation by playing this. And honestly, you have to ask some questions about the front office that's letting him do that. Because the whole thing was Baker Mayfield is, is supposed to have a career year. And then we re-up him to the big contract and everybody's happy. And we're a playoff team and we're contenders and blah, blah, blah. And the longer last season went, the, the, the less likely that was happening. And, in fact, just, it was just disintegrating. The team was worse. He was worse. The contract was evaporating up in smoke. Blah, blah, blah. All those things just went. And the player is always going to try and fight through it, right? So somebody has, to be, somebody has to be controlling that. Somebody has to take it upon themselves to say, this is not fair to this guy to ask him to do this, but they didn't. They, they got him out there all the way through until the season was gone, and then he finally sat down and had the surgery. So now we're in this situation where obviously the contract is gone. You're not going to give him the big, the big deal after the season he just had, but you also have to be aware that last season's Baker Mayfield is not the real Baker Mayfield because he played with a torn shoulder all year. So you've already picked up his fifth-year option. At the end of a fifth-year option, you also have the option to franchise tag him you, you're now in this situation where you're probably rolling on a series of one-year guaranteed deals, but you're also going to have your eye open because 
you can't possibly be sold on Baker Mayfield yet, which isn't to say it's all his fault, but as a team, you simply can't be sold on him 100% yet. So we were saying, yeah, Baker is probably your quarterback for next year, but you're going to have your eye on the market, right? You're going to at least be entertaining the options. The problem is the option that they appear to have entertained, at least publicly, is let's go and trade the farm for Deshaun Watson now that the criminal charges have disappeared, which just is a terrible look for everybody involved. Which part? The fact that, like, the one public flirtation with another quarterback is Deshaun Watson. See, I, I think it, you can't – I know you can't separate the off-field stuff, right? I hate that. Yeah. You are right. If you're not sold on Baker Mayfield, you have to look at the market. If you look at the market and from the- just a football standpoint, Deshaun Watson's the only quarterback that's potentially available here. That is a direct upgrade from Baker Mayfield. And the only problem with doing that with – so in, this is another one of those cases where, in theory, this is exactly what you do, right? You survey the market. You get – you at least entertain the other options and see what's available and see if you're, if you're capable of upgrading the way that they would be to a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. But as soon as that goes public, this happens, Right which is Baker Mayfield is upset and, and you know, butthurt about it all, and everything's bad. Now, I do wonder, teams seem to fumble this part of it so often, and I don't understand why, right? Uh, Baker Mayfield, the point in his statement, blah, 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 where is it? Um, I have no clue what happens yet, or what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence that I've heard during the duration of this process. Why, how hard is it to, like, call Baker Mayfield up and be like, hey, Baker, thanks so much for, like, playing like ass last year because you played through a torn shoulder. Because of that, we're going to at least look at the other options at quarterback this offseason. And as your thing— That's leverage, man. That's, that's leverage. But like, they use, you use poor performance against the player sure. in negotiations. Well, like, exactly. So the contract, your long-term contract, it's not there anymore, right? It's disappeared. We're not giving you that because we can't possibly be sure that you're that guy. And honestly, you were that, you were that bad that we're going to start looking around and seeing what else is out there. And just be aware, right? Just be aware. You might hear Cleveland Browns connected with names such as Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. You know? Just, just put it on your horizon. It might come down the pike. Doesn't mean we're going to go after those guys. Just means, you know, we're talking. We're, we're, we're on the phone. Why, why would you not tell him that? Is Baker of the same personality as a Rodgers or maybe a Brady personality of uh, using, uh, using the disrespect as a, as a positive? Sure, but like— So then you just dis- disrespect him. Okay, so that's my point. Him. So, But you're disrespecting him anyway by telling him. My point is, in what— what is the downside to telling him that this is likely to happen? What, what's the gain, I guess, to, to complete radio silence? The, down, the downside to thanking him for playing through injury. First I mean, off, you don't— have to thank him. Whatever. Like, my point is simply, what is the gain in not picking up the phone and telling him that you might be talking to other quarterbacks this offseason? I don't know. So Just... why not do it? Why not give the dude the respect of saying, hey— we're going to know that he's going to start. He said the silence. Yes. See, I initially read that as his silence, but, you know, I tend to skim. So I thought he was the talking about his. silence that he has had. I, the silence that he has had. So my, I initially read that as. Um, to me, that means that they blanked I, him. 
see, I read that the other, I read that differently. And I read that as a very self-centered quote, <laughs> which is like, hey guys, I haven't talked to I've been quiet through this whole thing, right? Okay. I, I've been taking the high road during this whole thing. When it's like, it's just business, man. Like it's, it's business and see, it should this be expected. Why, this is why you need to have people writing your statements so that they're clear. Yeah. Right, right now, we don't know what So you saying. think that the Browns have gone radio silent. Yeah. I see it as uh, self-centered Baker being like, hey, guys, uh, I've been t- you know, I'm, I'm taking the high road here. I've been quiet yeah. while these rumors have, have surfaced. Okay. I usually like to take to social media, and I have restrained myself. Mm. And like, honestly, which, it, by the way, like probably every quarterback. There's literally no, grammatically, gr- no grammatical way of identifying which is which. That's All right, good. So we, we each have our own interpretation. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, where were we going with all of this? Well, we were arguing about something that's so, no longer possible to argue about because it's, his statement is unclear. So for, forget that for a second. Here's what I would say. From the Browns' perspective, you're going to look around the market. Who are the, best, who are the, the better available quarterbacks? As of right now, unless you're calling the Raiders about Derek Carr or calling the Vikings about Kirk Cousins or calling the Falcons about Matt Ryan— I don't, I don't think there are any other quarterbacks, either in free agency or in the draft, that you say are better than Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably even. But Garoppolo in Cleveland? Is Garoppolo uh, even even? Maybe. He may be as good as Baker Mayfield, and he's definitely more hurt. He's, the, I mean, he's a similar guy, and, and here's what I would say. And I, as I tweeted out earlier today, the most difficult thing about all the Baker stuff has been inconsistency, unpredictability of his play, which generally that, that is usually the definition of a mid-tier quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get. That also describes Jimmy Garoppolo. It also describes Derek Carr. It also describes Carson Wentz. It also describes Marcus Mariota when he was in that tier, Jared Goff. Like It describes a lot of quarterbacks. But that is the biggest challenge with the Baker Mayfield evaluation is unpredictability. He's had two really good seasons. Two seasons that are better than a lot of quarterbacks around the NFL. He's also had two pretty trash seasons, including his worst season being last year, year four. So there's your Carson Wentz similarity where it's just it's not going in order, right? Things aren't going in order. There's not consistent improvement. Um, there were peaks early. There were valleys late. That is the biggest challenge with the Baker Mayfield evaluation right now. But other than Deshaun Watson, assuming he's available to play, there's not another quarterback on the market that you could say is going to be more consistent or predictable or whatever. So there's not a better option than Baker Mayfield. So I think from the Browns' perspective, you explore the Watson stuff. If you fail, you come back to Baker and say, you're my quarterback. Because it, it's not a bad deal to have Baker on a fifth-year option playing for a contract with two franchise tags potentially as the next thing for the Browns while they continue to explore the rest of the market. I, yeah, I so mean, Baker could easily could be their guy going forward for this year and, and maybe maybe even beyond. Well, that's the thing is that if this is what they should have been doing in terms of exploring alternative options to Baker Mayfield, like I still think that the chances are, or it makes sense for him to be their starting quarterback. Like if they don't get anywhere, he hasn't played that terribly. He was bad last year, but last year should not be seen as his baseline because he played all season with a torn shoulder. Um, neither should I think like after that you're looking at rookie season where he was very good second season where he was bad but everything fell apart and everybody got fired and then 
third season where he was very good, certainly towards the end. Like, the, the more that season went on, the better he got. And then last year, which I think you kind of have to throw out because he played hurt. Um, so at that point, yeah, he's going to be the best option you have after those elite options have disappeared. So you check out what's available, and if you have to go back to him, you go back to him, and you're only stuck for $18.5 million, the fifth-year option. Um, and if he plays terribly, you're definitely moving on. If he plays really well, you can either franchise tag him or, or give him the big contract then. But this is what the Browns should be doing. The only issue is when it becomes public, all of a sudden your quarterback, the guy that you actually have right now, gets really upset by it. All right, let me turn it this way. <clears throat> if you're another team, whether the Watson thing goes through or not for the Browns, you're calling the Browns and seeing if Baker Mayfield's available. Who are those teams? Where is the best fit for Baker Mayfield next year? We've already league sources maybe saying the Seahawks. I, I, I'm going to put out a rumor. The market's heating up. I don't know if it's true or not, but it could be. Probably is. Market's heating up. Seahawks, Colts. Who is calling about Baker Mayfield? Cheesecake Factory? Yeah, I don't think many people. I don't think. I, I don't really? Think, you don't think people are calling about Baker? Not a lot. I mean, who would? like? So the same thing that I just said. It, if I think if the Watson trade fails, and if you put Baker Mayfield on this quarterback market, that includes free agents, tradable commodities, and draft prospects. Baker's the best option right now. That's for the Browns, and that's also true for the Seahawks, the Colts, whoever else needs a quarterback around the league. Who else needs a quarterback? Who am I forgetting? But they, why, why is Baker Mayfield not the best option going into a – the fifth-year option is not a – it doesn't crush your cap. No, but like, And it gives you another year to assess him in, your, in, in a new situation, the Texans, whoever. I just – how many teams – when you need a quarterback, how attractive is another team that needs a quarterback's cast off, is my point, right? Baker Mayfield, has, we've reached the point where the Browns cannot give Baker Mayfield a long-term contract because they don't believe that he is their franchise quarterback. I remember this is a franchise with an insane incentive to call anybody their franchise quarterback because they're the team with the jersey with like a million and one names on it that Baker Mayfield halted. So... As much as anybody in the league, this team is motivated to just slap that tag on somebody and roll with it for a while. If they are done with him and trying to get rid of him, that's not a good sign. That's like, you know, when, when Bill Belichick calls you up, right, and is like, hey, I've got this uh, random linebacker that I'm looking to ship off for a seventh-round pick. You interested? Immediately, that should just be setting off alarm bells, right? Like, just on its face. You're like, hang on. Why would you want to get rid of a linebacker that's been playing really well? That doesn't seem right. When the Browns are calling you up, being like, hey, we've got this great quarterback you might be interested in, what do you think? No, you're calling the Browns because you, you, read, you read his notes. Right, but when you say, hey, I've got a third-round pick I can give you, and they're like, sold, that should immediately start setting off alarm bells in your head. I, you know, I, I don't know. Because if you're, sitting, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, who do not have a first-round pick, what's your fallback? You're Mar- Marcus Mariota or, or giving something up for Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you trust Jimmy Garoppolo more than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, you I don't. don't. I, I know don't you don't. I don't want to do either. What? I don't want to do either of those things. Okay, so provide an al- for the Colts. Let's start with the Colts. Provide an alternative. What are the Colts going to do at quarterback? I don't know. 
This is the pro- this is the problem with all the analysis. Like Carson Wentz gets traded to Washington, and everybody's like, "Oh, you idiot, Commanders! Why would you trade for Carson Wentz?" All right, fine. Give me an alternative. Who's better than Carson Wentz, and how are you getting him? I mean, for the Commanders, you sign Jameis Winston for a bag of peanuts. There's an alternative. Cost you anything? Great. Not most people are bringing an alternative. What's the alternative for the Colts, who don't have a first round pick? They just signed Jameis Winston too. Is everybody just going to sign Jameis? Because Jameis is probably going to end up with the Saints if they fail in the Deshaun Watson thing. Yeah. I mean, the Colts have a problem because they decided that Carson Wentz was not good enough um, having traded for him. And now you're in a position of the guy you bring in presumably has to be better than Carson Wentz. And, I mean, that's like Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield. They probably are, but it's like they're, they're much the same. You know what I mean? No, you're still, you're still in the middle tier. The middle tier of quarterbacks, quarterbacks 11 through 23 or whatever that is, that have slight, you know, they're, you know, slight differences, but they're in just the middle class of the distribution, right? Where you can get high-end seasons, you can get trash seasons. You know, with Wentz, you can get a high-end MVP caliber season. You can get one that makes you want to trade him twice, two different teams, right? With Baker, you have one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. We have a playoff run with the Cleveland Browns where they lost to the Chiefs by five. Yeah, it was Chad Henney's Chiefs, but they lost to the Chiefs by five in the playoffs. Baker Mayfield did that with the Cleveland Browns in a very good season with no number one wide receiver. That actually happened a year ago. Those things happened. Those You can invest in that, right? There's, there's two trash seasons in there, too, for Baker. But he's more appealing than Mariota, and he's at least as appealing as Jimmy Garoppolo. Unless you're just looking at wins and losses for, for Jimmy G. I mean, Mariota might be a viable option. My problem is I don't see – there's no good option left that isn't completely out of whack in terms of what it costs you to bring in, right? In terms of draft picks, cash salary, whatever it is. The options that make sense are the ones that don't cost much. So you can dedicate resources somewhere else. That's, so that, that's the Mariota play. Yes. And I've been a fan of the teams in transition knowing that the options are horrible – that I've been a fan of the Mariota play, right? Because, but, but you're also like, just like trading for Carson Wentz, you're, you're kind of praying, right? You're praying that you see something better than what you've seen recently. Mariota got run out of Tennessee, where Ryan Tannehill, a career a slightly above average starter, has looked like a star for the last three years in a similar situation. That A-B analysis is not, not great, for Marcus Mariota. I mean, unless you think he's going to become the next Tannehill who a new situation does a similar thing. The Baker trade market feels like what I thought the Cousins one would look like, which is like at some point a team is just going to be desperate enough to not be the team when the music stops with no quarterback and they're going to do it. Something, anything, right? Who's that? Wh- whoever the team is at that point, right? We get far, far al- enough along in the process that. The, the music is about to stop, and you don't want to be the team starting Sam Darnold or Drew Locke. So Carolina, Seattle make a lot of sense. Maybe the Colts are the team that gets desperate enough. Like a team like that who just doesn't have anything right now and no obvious path necessarily to securing one in the draft uh, or, a guy, or just doesn't like the draft enough, which frankly is another theme for this whole I, process. I keep forgetting the Panthers as the QB needy team. So yeah. they're one where based off the move they made last year, which was grab your class of 2018 cast off quarterback. Like they're not bring really him doing in. that again. I don't see the Panthers bringing in Baker Mayfield no. to hang out with Sam Darnold as 2018 draft class cast offs. I don't see that happening. So 
Um, what about the Seahawks? What are the Seahawks' best options? They pick at nine, so they could love a rookie contract quarterback. I have a, I have a, an easier case selling the Seahawks on draft Malik Willis if he's there, draft a guy, Desmond Ritter, whatever it is. Not necessarily at nine, but draft a guy because you'll have the opportunity to do that and go through the full rebuild in Seattle because I think that's where they are as a franchise, even with the age of their coach, Pete Carroll. They're in full rebuild mode. Chris Ballard and the Colts are in fifth year of different quarterback. That's what Darius Leonard was tweeting about. That's why he's recruiting everybody. Like They think they're going to win again. They have a better foundation on their roster. They're in the AFC South. They can compete. They're more likely to make – so I think the Colts are a good fit for Baker Mayfield. And I think the Colts should look at Baker as much as they look at Mariota. You weigh the balance sheet. What would it – I think Baker's a better player. It has higher upside than Marcus Mariota. You weigh the balance sheet, though, because what else do you have to give up to get him yeah. versus Mariota perhaps being on the cheap and you keep your draft picks? I mean, Seattle, to me, makes sense to draft somebody on the basis that they've just torn down the entire thing. Like this roster is now in pieces. There's no, there's nothing there. Like they are committing to a full rebuild. At which point, what's what's the point in bringing in a Baker Mayfield? Unless you genuinely, unless the Seahawks loved Baker Mayfield as a prospect, and they think that hey, throw out last year, throw out 2019. At that point, you've got a quarterback that's got a couple of pretty good seasons under his belt. Was a number one overall pick, and we think we can turn him into whatever. Like the perfect, the perfect don't screw it up quarterback that Russ never was, right? The guy that will hand it off 25 times a game and be thankful that we let him pass the ball every now and again. Like maybe he's Pete Carroll's dream quarterback in some weird like alternate reality and they convince themselves that Baker's the guy. Other than that, like what is the, what's the benefit? You're going to suck this year. Don't you want Baker with a nice motivational speaker like Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll? Yeah. Go out there, Baker, and don't do anything other than hand it off. Yeah, but he'll, he'll be motivated to do it. Pete will get him to do it. Um, I want to address the uh, the elephant in the room, but first, it's an elephant in the room. Yeah. There's an elephant in the YouTube chat that I'll I'll address. Okay. After I tell you about our friends over at All22 unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees have been playing, All22 uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components, as well as you know positional value, and it tests your ability to build a full. 53-man roster, including the offensive line. So as you're seeing all these offensive line signings and seeing PFF say, great guard signing, great guard signing, this matters if you're playing all 22. Keep paying attention to the guards and the tackles, defensive linemen, the whole thing. If you've ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office or if you enjoy the scouting process, you're going to want to check out all 22. So you can join the wait list on all-22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the wait list before the NFL draft, You'll receive a special promo code for your All22 subscription. Waitlist users will gain access to premium content like inaugural draft guides, in-season strategies, feature release announcements, and more. By the way, I hope I'm, hope I'm getting those. I hope, I hope I'm signed up for all of those. Did you find the elephant yet? No. Okay, good. Be sure to follow at All22 underscore PFF on Twitter. All22, less fantasy, more football. A few people in the chat have mentioned, and, and this is amongst friends here, mm. and because I'm the nice guy on the show, mm -hmm. and you're not as much the nice guy on the mm -hmm. show, and you're pretty quick to, you know, attack my appearance, my hair, my height, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm generally nicer, mm -hmm. but I still feel like we're amongst friends, you, me, and the millions. Safe space. Safe, very safe. Mm -hmm. and you're very shiny people. head today, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Your head's very shiny. Yeah. It's been brought up a few times. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I just don't know. Is this the plan going forward? Do we have any, you know? I mean, do we have, I know you're new to this. It's blinding our viewers. Yeah. So we need to do something with your shiny bald head. Well, at the, po- <laughs> at the point where you don't have any hair, your options are limited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you shave the thing down and that, that creates this, this problematic yeah. uh, problematic. Surely their turtle wax has been suggested. See, so here's my problem, right? We currently have one, two, three, four. It's a five, professional six, studio. Seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen lights yeah. shining down on my shiny bald head, right? Yeah. And that's not even counting the decorative ones that hang around this place. Like this is not. I'm not being set up to succeed. It's a professional studio, right? Sam. You know the, the the football thing where you send out a guy running a game plan, he's got no shot of of achieving. You're setting that guy up for failure. Fifteen lights shining down on a bald noggin with no hair on it is setting me up for failure. You do kind of look like you just got your playbook this week, not going to lie. So, yeah. look, I go out here, I, I shave the noggin. At that point, I need some lighting help. Okay, let's assume the lights are going to be here because you know what? They're going to be. Uh-huh. We might need a, a plan B here. So... Um, well, I can't regrow bald hair. You're going to have to hit makeup before each show. Is the turtle wax an actual thing? We're Does gonna soul have to glow get, work for you? Is that going to work the opposite? We're going to have to get Ashbrock in here with the mattifying powder or something? We need the mattifier. Maybe you should wear a hat. You should wear a hat every day. Here, I'll tell you what. We'll fix yeah, this hat. right now. Just throw your helmet on. This will help for our, for our viewers. All right. Let's go. Yeah. Fixed. Someone says he's more blinded by Steve's dashing good looks. I appreciate you. I mean, I mean look, look. I fixed it. That is much better. There's, there's actually less glare off the helmet than there was off your head. Yep. All right, next. There's less glare off the visor. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to lie. The visor is kind of blinding me when I look at you. Good. Um, and it's win-win. Everybody's better off here. Ideal. See, somebody already suggested it. I deal with the lights making me look like a ghost sometimes. Yeah. Um, because. I don't think it's a tremendously yeah. advantageous lighting situation in here between making you look like Dracula uh, making, like, highlighting my bald-ass head. It's not setting us up well. We're struggling with the lighting. This is supposed yeah. to be, you know, a very expensive, fancy studio, and we, we don't look well with the lighting. Yeah, and full disclosure, you know, I do look pretty pale. When you... Thank you, Jarvis Juice. There's no Brown. way that's a real person. That's like your mother or something. That's, that's Jarvis Landry. He's there. PayPal's in here. Yeah. Look at PayPal. Can we get a sponsorship? <laughs> PayPal. Hit us up. NFL podcast at pff.com. If you're real PayPal, get you a good rate. Um, we, do, we do put powder, as they call it, you know, for, for the big shows, you know, for like the, the draft shows and the live shows well, and all that stuff. We have in the we past. Have. It's been quite some time. Once, once COVID kind of normalized, you know, working from home and Zoom calls yeah, and stuff. My kids we were like, are in every other shot. Yeah, and all, we yeah. were like, to hell with that. I'm not putting on the makeup and the mattifying powder and stuff. Yeah, but I'm just saying we have. Um, I'm not doing that three times a week for a podcast. Though, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so we'll just, you know, wear the helmet. It looks, looks okay. good. Looks Fine. good. Uh, what's our next topic here? I said we were going to get into teams. We're going to get into some teams that have uh, that we've enjoyed here, that we've liked. We mentioned the Chargers night one. I think they're a good a good place to start. Okay. Chargers are doing some good stuff. They are. J.C. Jackson. Uh, they brought back Mike Williams. You get some you get some depth on the defensive line. A lot of defensive help here for the Chargers. Let me go to our deal grader. 
and pull out what we've looked at for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, you bring in Khalil Mack by a trade. You bring in Sebastian Joseph Day to solidify that that interior. Um, the Chargers, remember, like Brandon Staley came to this team fresh off coaching the number one defense in the NFL in the Los Angeles Rams, right? And you were when you looked at some of the personnel the Chargers have, you're like, wow, Staley's going to do some special things. We've got the player, hashtag number 33. We've got uh, Joey Bosa. We've got some pieces to work with here. This is going to be special. And the defense, not only was it not special, but it wasn't even very good. And, you know, embarrassing or shame might be a little bit too far, but disappointing, I think, is probably fair. And if you're Brandon Staley coming off that season, you, you kind of want to make sure your defense isn't bad again. So they're attacking it, and they're going, they have the flexibility with Justin Herbert being as good as he is and as cheap as he is to start attacking uh, the supporting cast and start throwing money and resources at defense. So Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day added to the likes of Joey Bosa and the players that are already there. In, in theory, that's now starting to stack up a really good group of individuals. I love that your analysis doesn't suffer behind the helmet. No, why would it? That's good. This is perfect. Just tweet that out. Make sure people know you're wearing a helmet here on the show. It's great. Yeah. Get to a thousand people here watching this. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love what the Chargers are doing, and um, you know they're spending money. The Bengals are spending money. The two teams that have two of the the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, and, and you're going to hear this over and over again. This is how you this is how you do it with a uh, first contract quarterback, right? And uh, <clears throat> the thing I love about the secondary here, too, J.C. Jackson, as difficult as it is to keep interception rates high, J.C. Jackson has found a way to do that, right? Yeah, and, I mean, he is— And hasn't it, even been—like, you, you know, the one of the things about Trayvon Diggs and the interceptions he had is, like, he was quite a heavily targeted cornerback. J.C. Jackson hasn't even been particularly heavily targeted. Last year was the first year where he's had more than 100 targets uh, in a season, and I think he needed the playoffs to get there. And in the other thing about it, we, we keep using this very broad, like, hey, this team plays man, this team plays zone, but no team has played more man coverage than the Patriots over the last four or five years. And usually in man coverage, the rule is you're going to get more pass breakups, a lower completion percentage against, right. but the interception is going to be down, right? Zone-heavy teams can get more interceptions. Their eyes are on the quarterback. You get more tipped passes. But that's what makes it even more impressive that J.C. Jackson has that many turnovers on the resume, all those interceptions in a man-heavy scheme. So what I like about J.C. Jackson, a part of the Chargers, with number 33, the player, with Asante Samuel, a guy that, you know, coming out last year, we said, okay, that's a great fit. Dude plays off coverage. He's got his dad's playmaking ability as well. This Chargers team, plus you get the pass rush, they're going to force a lot of turnovers too. So now it's like, okay, how? what is the best way to build a defense in the NFL? If you know that you can't uh, predict it year to year. You can't just say, hey, we're just going to have an elite defense for the next four or five years. Play the volatility game and say, you know, like one of these years, the Chargers are going to lead the league in turnovers, right? It's going to be like the 2009 Saints. You referenced them a lot, right? They turned it over like crazy. Yep. Drew Brees played the same that year as he does pretty much every year. But you pair that with the great volatility of the defense. You get all the turnover luck in one year, you, you, win, a, you win a Super Bowl. That's what the Chargers are setting up here. Might not work every year. But with the playmakers that they have on the back end, the pass rushers that they have, I feel like that volatility is going to play in their favor one year and the Chargers are going to make a serious run. Yeah, I mean, look, so we've talked before about how much flexibility having a young 
star quarterback on a rookie contract gives you. And I think the two teams that that is most applicable to right now, the Chargers and the Bengals, are both doing smart things to maximize the the benefit, to maximize the boost that that gives you. The Chargers are now throwing money at defense, having been throwing it at the offensive line this time a year ago. The Bengals are throwing it at the offensive line, with that being you know the primary thing that they need to fix. So I'm a big fan of, of what both these teams are doing right now. So the Bengals have brought in two starting guards, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras. Karras could play center. I'm calling him a guard for now, but um, absolutely could play center. Brings in some versatility. Um, sneaky, productive starter when he's played for the Patriots or Dolphins the last couple of years. So love the Karras move. They bring back B.J. Hill for a reasonable price. He's right. It's, it was a weak interior defensive line class. It might be, might be too much for B.J. Hill, but man... Again, the, the the depth isn't really there, and he's, he played well for them last year, and they've brought back Jesse Bates on the franchise tag. So I think the Bengals are definitely doing some good things. We mentioned the Ravens. I like what they've done. I also like what the Jets have done overall. Um, this is multiple years now. I've liked what the Jets have done. So at some point, it's, it, it needs to pay off in wins. But I mentioned this on the PFF NFL Daily today. Jets have as much draft capital as any team in the league. But, what, but they also have all this cap space, but they're filling the needs of their roster right now. Starting guard, Lakin Tomlinson, bring back Braxton Berrios as a slot wide receiver. You, you have a starting tight end now in C.J. Ozama. You have a starting corner in D.J. Reed. And I think, I think Bryce Hall on the other side, paired with a D.J. Reed, that's a pretty good one-two punch, I think, for the Jets. Um, there's still more to do there. Yeah, I, I mean, would it, still try to hit some home runs there. If they then went, if they then came out of that first round with one of those top corners, you know, yes. Sauce Gardner or a, um, a Derek Stingley, in addition to Bryce Hall and DJ Reed, now you're talking. I thought they were doing something with your. No, that's just that's just my head. Yeah, um, and help. so so and, and yeah, Jordan Whitehead comes in at um, at safety. It's pretty hot in here. Is it? Yeah. You can take it off. I mean, it's okay if, no, no, no. if you want to finish I the wanna, show. I wouldn't want to upset the people that are there and, you know, that are distracted by my shiny bald head. Um, so anyway, the Jets fill in some needs here. And again, I think that just opens up the possibilities. I also think, you know, pass rusher at four that um, Jets fans have been talking about. I do with DJ Reed signing. I think that's absolutely more and more in, in play. But if they come away with a, a Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, you know, some sort of pass rush presence plus whichever receiver they like the best, whether it's one of the Ohio State guys, whether it's Drake London at four and ten. You're looking at this Jets offseason and saying, boy, they did they did some work here to uh, to improve this roster and build around Zach Wilson. Now, I don't want to say complete counterpoint is the Jacksonville Jaguars, because I do think if you look at the Jaguars roster this year versus last year, it's better. I mean, they've added better players. The question's going to be the price that they paid for them. And not. And for me, it's not so much this year. It's a lot like what the Patriots just did. Last year at this time, New England spent a ton of money on free agents. And now if you look at their cap this year, all of their highest price, all of their biggest cap hits are the guys they signed last year. That's going to be the Jags a year from now. So you're going to look at a Jaguars team and say, next year, how are they going to improve? Well, they've got a ton of money locked up in who they just signed this year, Brandon Scherf and... Foyasade Olakun and Fado Kasi, the defensive lineman, Christian Kirk. How much do these moves hamstring them going forward? I don't know. But they've at least gotten better this year, I think, yeah, the Jags. You, you, like, sent me that chart as if it's like, see, told you. 
That's about like what? The the cap hits with the New England Patriots because you were on this thing all last season. It's like, oh, it's fine now, but next year in the year, like, yeah, like, of course, all their biggest cap hits are the guys they just signed, but they're not crippling. Like, none of them are massive. They're all no, like it's... 10 million, 13 million, and they the Patriots still have space. The cap is only going up now that we're out of this COVID. Cap's going world. up for everybody. It's all relative. Yes. Right, but that's my point. So if you have a bunch of guys all getting paid like 10 million a year, yeah, sure. Like five years ago in the old cap, that might have been a squeeze. Now it's like, eh, what the hell? It's just the going my, rate. My point is, right, you know who the free agents are. This is the, these are the Patriots cap hits this year. You know, who the, you know what the market is right now, current free agents. Tyler's doing some work over there. Anyway, we know who the free agents are. You know, what the, you know who's available right now. If your cap hits for this year, Matthew Judon is $16.5 million. Hunter Henry's $15 million. Nelson Aguilar is almost $15 million. Jonu Smith is almost $14 million. Devon Godshaw is over $10 million. Those are your Patriots cap hits for this year for those players. Are those the cap hits you want compared to, say, the other free agents that are available right now and everything else that's available around the league? Is that where you want all of your money to be spent on a roster? I mean, maybe not, but that's like... That, that's, that's my a, point. That's, that's like a slightly different issue, I think. That's, it's not that they're unworkable or anything like that. Nobody's over $20 million, Nobody's over $16.5 But those are your highest paid players if you're the Patriots. And there, there were a whole bunch of... Nice additions to your roster last year, but they're still lacking a whole lot of high-end talent and talent that's going to you know, compete with the Buffalo Bills in that division if you're the Patriots. That was my point. My point with the Jaguars is I think we're going to be thinking about that a year from now. Christian Kirk is going to be making a ton of money, and you're going to look at these other receivers that are available for half the price, saying I'd rather the half-price guy instead of Christian Kirk. Yeah, but I, I think you can simplify that entire problem with just the Jags are spending a lot of money on players that aren't great. The end, right? Oh. Like, you know the you know those um, algebraic equations that take up like half a board and the, you walk up that's and you what cross I most of it out and it ends up just being like X. That's what you're talking about here, right? You can cross out most of this problem and come to the conclusion that like the Jags just threw $18 million a year at Christian Kirk. That's overspending. Like, the end. That's the problem here. So you look at Jacksonville, and the entire thing feels like we're just spending money to spend money. And, look, I think there's a very real point that you probably need to bring up, which is Jacksonville for a while have been a dumpster fire of a team. And it's not in a great place, right? I, I, you've, you've been to every, you know, low-level, double-whatever-A team the Jacksonville Roughnecks or whatever. You must have played there at some Jacksonville point. would have been one of the top cities that I played in, yeah. There you go. So you know, right? It's not a va- it's not a destination spot, right? It's Florida, tax free. You don't you it's don't crazy. look at the world and go, I wanna be I wanna be in Jacksonville. That's where I want to spend the next the next ten years of my life, right? I I wanna be in Jacksonville living it up as a young rich millionaire. Yeah. What do you think of the splits uh, the split screen here? I mean, look, it works fine. it works for me. I'm just trying to help the people out here. The shiny head was upsetting people, and now we have a shiny helmet instead. Yeah, it's really more the shiny visor, I would say. But yeah, well, look, you can get, probably get an That's idea good. of the uh, the can lights. You tweet out, get. tweet out that picture as well. Anyway, here. let's get over a thousand people here. So I think the there's a very real between the fact that the team has been terrible for so long and the fact that Jacksonville is Jacksonville. There's a very real like tax that the team has to pay to get people to go there, right? If you're an NFL free agent. Where do you want to go, Jacksonville or Miami? 
Jacksonville or anywhere, like any team, the team is either better or the city is better or both are better. So if you're trying to convince people where to go, you're going to have to pay them more. So all of a sudden, you're trying to get people like Christian Kirk. And it's okay with their moves? I'm not, no. All, but I'm saying you have to factor in the very real fact that Jacksonville simply has to pay these people more than other teams do to get them to go to Jacksonville and be part of this whole thing. And, and I don't think you can dismiss that. I think that's a very real percentage that you have to either add to a contract to figure out what the Jacksonville price is or take away from these contracts to give you like a league baseline. It's not – you can't just compare what Jacksonville are spending – to what any other team is spending and say, oh, they overspent. Of course they did. Otherwise, they're not getting anybody. So which moves do you not like? I mean, look. Which moves are reasonable? Even in the world of overspending, the Christian Kirk deal is madness. Yeah. Uh, That that is, it's a four-year, $72 million contract, essentially, which can go as high as $84 million. They are paying him almost, what, $18 million a year? Like, Russell Gage just signed for half that, and Russell Gage is a better player. Yeah, I mean, again, would, he, went to, he went to tax-free Florida as well in Tampa Bay, where the lure of Tom Brady is a little bit more attractive than the lure of Jacksonville, to your point. People thought that the Trevor Lawrence thing would help recruiting, right? Come, come join the rebuild. We got the number one overall pick last year, but how much did, like, is this still the, the Urban Meyer effect here? The fact that Urban Meyer created this culture where the very talented Trevor Lawrence couldn't even succeed just put this further stigma on the on the Jags and, and wanting to go there. But I will say I'm just looking at their depth chart and how new players graded last year. You bring in a pretty good corner in Darius Williams. He's been added to the mix. The number of just green grades just from last year that they've added from Zay Jones to Christian Kirk to Brandon Scherf, they're at least adding – better, more talented players. I'm not saying every move is great. Uh, Fadokasi, I think, will bounce back. But these guys, they're going to improve the team. They overpaid for it right now. I think it's going to come back to bite them probably a year from now or, or two years from now where some of these guys aren't on the roster anymore. But if you want to create some momentum, um, you, you, you overpay to just make the roster better, show signs of life there, and eventually make it a more attractive free agent destination. Yeah, I mean, the the bottom line in all this is that Jacksonville needs to get good to be able to lure anybody there for a sensible price. And look, I think they've added some good players. Um, Brandon Scherf is a very good guard. And, you know, if that's a move you needed to make to solidify that offensive line, fine. Let's make that happen. Um, Evan Engram, for like a one-year throwaway deal, okay, it's $9 but like Evan Engram could be a decent – resuscitation project, uh, reclamation project for a team. Uh, your guy, Folo Fadakasi, one of the best run-defending interior defensive linemen in the NFL up until last year. Uh, Darius Williams, a guy that's basically never graded badly in the PFF system, including college, gives you a lot of flexibility on defense in the secondary as well. I don't love Olakun as a deal. Um, you know, Cam Robinson re-signed on the franchi- or franchise tag whatever. I think Christian Kirk is overpaying. I don't love bringing in Zay Jones, but they've added players that are going to help. Completely agree. So the Jags, I think, got better, even for a lot of money. Yeah. I guess that's okay. My other point, I've made this before, that I don't get get the strategy, right? I, I don't like 
spending sprees where you can't discern a clear pattern other than simply adding players for money. Like they had I, players everywhere. Yes, and then also which I don't, Miles Jack. I don't think is a good thing, right? When you, if you're this bad, if you're if your team like Jacksonville, it's like, well, we need help everywhere. I to me, you should focus on an area first, right? Like let's fix this, or let's fix this. And let's leave the rest for the future. Like Detroit. Just the offensive line or just the Look what Detroit did last year. There was a very clear strategy. And it's like, okay, they are following a roadmap. You might not agree with where the roadmap is going, but at least they're following a clear plan. And that gives you a certain degree of confidence and reassurance that somebody in the building knows what they're doing. When the team is just like, like, let's just take a shotgun to free agency and whatever we take down with the bullets is what we drag into the back of the van. That just doesn't feel like good process to me. They added one player at every position group, and then they're going to add probably Aiden Hutchinson at edge, the position group that they didn't attack. So they're attacking every position group. Yeah, which I just it doesn't. I don't think that's literally every single one. Receiver, tight end, offensive line. They didn't sign a running back. Thank God. Yeah, they have James Robinson, James Robinson, and Travis Etienne. They added an interior defensive lineman, a linebacker. Didn't add a safety. So they're going to draft uh, edge and safety with their first two picks. Hmm. Sold. Uh, I think the Dolphins are doing some sneaky good things here. Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine, um, a former teammate with the – actually, no, he didn't play for the right. Former teammate with the DCU Saints before – have to do the, with the Dolphins? Before Yes. Oh. I'll get there. Give it a second. Sure. Before the Saints folded and everybody went to play with the Rhinos, um, he contacted me and he asked me, is he crazy to be quite encouraged by the moves that the Miami Dolphins have made? You know, they've added some really good players and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of, my initial reaction is that, like, they've signed a lot of these guys that I quite like as players, but you're left with that, well, who's like, the, so there's two things I think that change my initial reaction to it. One is that there is this prospect that Jalen Waddle is a much better player than he has been allowed to be so far, both in college and in his first year in Miami. And if he can be that elite number one game-changing type of player, a Debo Samuel for this offense, that does kind of change the dynamic of, for example, Mike Gusecki and Cedric Wilson and Preston Williams and the guys that they already have. And then there's two, which is, remember, this offense, if it looks like the 49ers offense, it doesn't need to necessarily have the prototypical X wide receiver that other offenses have. For years, everybody was like, where is that player for San Francisco? It's like, well, that player actually is George Kittle. And then that player became Debo Samuel. Like, that's the playmaking superstar here. So, again, if Jalen Waddle is that guy, this team doesn't have to have, like, a six foot three X receiver that wins on the outside with 4'3 speed and blah, 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 because they're not playing that way. So, when you look at it through those, uh, through that lens, through that prism, I think actually Miami is doing some nice things. And those things include adding Chase Edmonds at running back. You sure. mentioned Cedric Wilson coming in. Adding Connor Williams to, to play guard. Really like right? that move. Yeah, and you could probably – there's another move or two to be made. Yes. Probably on the offensive line. I mean, that line. offensive line needs help. But that's, that's a good starting point. Yeah. I mean, that is – and so then when you look at – again, we, we, we sit here all year and talk about the idea of just don't have any holes on your team, don't have any weaknesses – when you look at the free agent hall of the Dolphins, you bring back Mike Gusecki on the franchise tag. That's a good move. Chase Edmonds, who I mentioned, Cedric Wilson, Teddy Bridgewater is a backup quarterback. Uh, bring back Preston Williams and, bring, and Connor Williams. 
all those things are just shoring up position groups so that you have fewer weaknesses as a roster. You could spend in the draft on on more offensive linemen. You can look for other, you know, cap casualty type of offensive linemen who are surely going to upgrade what you have there. Um, and then I think there's more playmakers to be had on the defensive side of the ball. But I like what the Dolphins are doing. Any other teams that stand out to you, uh, either good or bad? Um, right after I tell you about Manscaped, I'll give you some time. Sweet. That's right. Manscaped has launched the Ultra Premium Collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. We're talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is your all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man, and it covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PFF. Here's your order of operations. You hop in the shower, scrub and dub dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. That's number one. Number two, lather your hair up with a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Keep your noggin togging. Maybe the conditioner will help with the shine, Sam. Mm. Dry off and spray with the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate your dry skin. Number four, put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. And number five, pop that Manscaped lip balm on. No one's out here kissing those chapped lips. So getting dressed, dressed after that is optional. You can wear one great scent all day long. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Promo PFF, manscaped.com. It's hot in here. That's fine. I have to go to the uh, the wear the helmet on the, the, the top deal. We're still all winning here because it's... Covers the bald. It's right, covering the good. perfect. It's covering the shine until we have a, a more permanent solution here. So one of the things I think we need to talk about is with this we, with this stupid ass process the NFL runs of the the two the two day legal tampering period as opposed to just free agency. I can't wait till free agency starts in under two hours. That's what I mean. So we've already had a couple of deals that have reneged, right? Deals that were done and now are no longer done. So J.D. McKissick was yep. supposed to be going to the Washington Commanders, right? Oh, no, so the Bills. So going from the Commanders to the Buffalo Bills has since reversed course and is going back to the Commanders. And then the other one, which I think is the interesting one to talk about, is Randy Gregory had a deal yeah. done with Dallas. Big deal. $70 million, 28 guaranteed, I think, however many years it was. Had a deal done with Dallas, and then it fell apart, and he signed effectively the same deal with Denver. And this has become this crazy, dramatic he said, she said about what the hell actually happened. And so I've done some research. Nice. Um, his agent, uh, Peter Schaefer, is that the guy's name? I believe so. Yeah, I'm trying to find right. my notes here. Yes, his agent, Peter Schaefer, essentially did a tell-all with uh, uh, PFT, uh, Pro Football Talk, and gave his side of the story. Not commenter, but no. Mike Florio, PFT? Correct, Okay. Yeah. Um, and essentially his, his claim was that they had this whole deal worked out. It was kind of late in the day. And then Dallas came back with the contract that had this iffy language in it that voided his money if he was fined for things. Not just suspended, which is relatively standard, but fined. And he said that this was – his claim was that this is not at all standard. It came completely out of the blue. It wasn't in any previous discussions, blah, blah, blah. And Randy Gregory essentially looked at that and was like, what the hell is this? And got upset by that, pulled the whole thing, bounced. Um, guy called Mike Fisher of SI, is a, a Dallas Cowboys reporter. So he says, first of all, 
it's it was in his old contract. Like it was it was in the contract that Randy Gregory has just finished. Uh, also says that it's he had a couple more like Dallas Cowboys contracts on his phone and was like working through them. They all have this language in it and it's boilerplate from the CBA. It's standard stuff, right? Now, I then asked so his his take essentially is that he thinks that the agent either deliberately fumbled or just just flubbed when Randy Gregory came to him and was like, what the hell is this language? I'm upset. And instead yeah. of being like, Randy, settle down. This is in every contract in the NFL. Chill. He either, either deliberately steered him to Denver because he lives in Denver or hmm. just didn't give him a good answer and Randy just pulled the whole plug and they went somewhere else. Um, now, Brad Spielberger, who was on, on the show on Monday. Thank you, Brad, by the way, for filling in for me while I was ill. Correct even though he was ill. Um, Didn't know that. <laughs> Brad says that there, this is language specific to Dallas. So it's not boilerplate CBA language that every team in the NFL has and puts into their contracts. This is something specific to Dallas that gives them the ability to nix money if a guy is fined. But the Dallas does put in every contract except Dak because quarterbacks are special. So, so, so everybody's telling the truth, essentially. Almost, yeah. It's like every everybody's everybody's at least got more than a kernel right. of truth. Everybody's there, right? everybody's like eighty five percent of the way there, right? And collectively, those those just resulted this whole thing blowing up. It does feel like a tremendously stupid reason for a deal as big as this to break down. And given that we are still a couple of hours away from the start of actual free agency, feels like you can kind of fix it by just picking up the phone, right? Yeah, you're a big uh, just talk about it guy, huh? Well, if just, this tell, is, just talk to Baker, just talk to Aaron Rodgers, just talk to Russell Wilson, just talk to Randy Gregory. If this really is just like a breakdown in communication that, hey, Randy, by the way, you already signed this deal. Like this was in your contract last time and the one before that. If that's what we're talking about here, how hard is it to put that back together again with a phone call? Yeah, that is interesting because as you're telling this whole story, I'm like, Okay, this guy's lying. Oh, that guy's yeah. lying. None of them are and lying. And then Brad tied it all together. It's like, nope, this is something the Cowboys do. Yeah. Everybody gets it. Turns out none of them are lying. Right. Um, how does this impact both teams here? Because the Cowboys, part of their success last year was that fierce defensive front that included Micah Parsons, yeah. Randy Gregory, and Demarcus Lawrence. Um, the Demarcus Lawrence thing by the Cowboys, too, was interesting because they, you know, a lot of people are souring on what the Cowboys have done here. But because they had so much non-guaranteed money, you know, ready to you know on, on Demarcus Lawrence's contract, they basically spun it into a much cheaper but guaranteed version. Yeah. So they save a lot of money there. The Cowboys, they have Demarcus Lawrence coming back, but having Randy Randy Gregory there made them fierce up front. From a Denver perspective, they're still trying to figure out how to replace Von Miller. They think they're doing that now with Randy Gregory, and the Brown the Broncos have made. Beyond the Russell Wilson thing, just some good, solid moves to uh, to put pieces in place there. But Dallas still probably needs another edge rusher to keep the the top trio alive with Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. And the Broncos at least fill one of their big needs here with Gregory going. Yeah, I mean, to me, it depends. It depends where they pivot to, right? If they're not getting the Randy Gregory deal done, all of a sudden there's a Randy Gregory shaped hole in the salary cap that they can then dedicate somewhere else. So there's already been talks that they're in on Von Miller and potentially trying to get that done. If they can sidestep, you know, Randy Gregory and go to Von Miller, fine. No yeah. problem whatsoever. If they 
if they end up dithering and don't get anybody or don't get another edge rusher, then I would say that's a real issue. We actually have some real news breaking while we're on the show. What do we have here? Four-time Pro Bowl pass rusher Chandler Jones is finalizing a deal with... The Bills? Nope. I don't know. I'm not reading. Who's signing everybody this free agency period? Division. The Jaguars. No. The Raiders. The Raiders are getting into the arms race. The Raiders are signing Chandler Jones. I see that now. Yes. And they are. The Raiders have been rumored to be in on Stephon Gilmore, and they've been rumored to be on Tyron Matthew. None of neither of those two have come true. <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting that they're going for the big name free agents and the Raiders as a whole. Before Max Crosby broke out, if I looked at their defense, I would say you need some playmakers. Like you need some yeah. big time stars on the defense somewhere. And even with him, they still do. And even with him, they still do. So now you have Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And and this is interesting as you look at the AFC West because we mentioned how the Chargers are they loaded up in the secondary and with pass rushers. So now you have now you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack there. Denver just got Randy Gregory to go with Bradley Chubb is still there, you know, for whatever that's worth. And now you have the Raiders with this duo of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Yeah. So I mean, uh maybe the Chiefs offensive line investment in bringing Orlando Brown back and uh you know just investing in the offensive line in general the last couple of years uh paid off maybe the Chiefs also uh, need to look at the right tackle market a little bit closer there I mean the Raiders needed to do something right because you got the Chargers making all these moves you have the fact that Kansas City is Kansas City and is going to be leading the way the Broncos have made a ton of moves and got Russell Wilson the, the that division really is an arms race and at the moment the Raiders are lagging behind and I kind of feel sorry for them because you look at it and you say they they can't like you're not going to comp- you're okay. You, it's not that you can't compete. It's that you are going to be underdogs because Derek Carr is not as good as the other quarterbacks in that division, and neither does it make any sense for you to blow it up and try and find a guy that's as good as those because you're now trying to find a quarterback. You're trying to find the best quarterback in the NFL. Effectively, is what you're doing if you're starting from scratch, which just doesn't feel like a good. You know it. The chances of you achieving that are so small that you might as well not bother trying. So your only chance is to get with the program with everybody else and just start competing in an arms race, of which Chandler Jones is the first significant move. I like it. Chandler Jones, uh, Yannick Ngakwe is still there, by the way. Um, Ngakwe is a tough one for us, right? He's just he's so bad against the run uh, that he had a 47 overall grade last year, even though he's, he's been a generally an effective pass rusher. Not as good as he was that one really good season that he had in Jacksonville. But perfect now as a compliment to fold in to a rotation with yeah. Chandler Jones and keep Jones a bit fresh and let Ngakwe only rush the passer. If Ngakwe never sees a run play unless right. it's like the occasional draw, you can you could get some value out of him. The problem is, too, he's, he's making a lot of money. But Ngakwe, Max Crosby, and Chandler Jones there. Chandler Jones can move around the formation. Ngakwe's pretty okay. much set. Scratch outside. everything we just said about Ngakwe because he's expected to be traded to the Colts in a deal that includes Rocky Sin. Yeah, just delete that part. Yeah, We're so live. That's... Everything we just said in the for, last 30 for seconds, Rocky Sin, ignore man. it. Um, Rocky Sin, I like that for Ngakwe, who, as I just mentioned, had a 47 grade last year. He's useless for the Raiders. You can't even use him at all. No. So good move by the Raiders. And um, the Colts and Chris Ballard have already said, got to get better in the trenches, and they need to pull that same strategy. And Gakwe should be a wide nine rusher only, yeah, and uh, never see a run play unless it's the occasional draw. Mm. Um, we also have other breaking news. Um, it's not per anybody except for his agency, but we'll give credit to PFF's own Doug Hyde. Okay. Cousin Doug. Cousin Doug. Quarterback. 
Joe Flacco has re-signed with the Jets. We don't have to change the opening yet. Joe Flacco's coming back to play football. I, Can you do another? Don't you realize that you're Joe Flacco? I, he's back with the Jets. Ugh. I No. We need a, he's going to mentor Zach Wilson. Again. Flacco's back, baby. So right up there with the Chandler Jones news. I couldn't be less enthused. Couldn't, literally couldn't be less enthused. I could tell. I can't see your eyes, but I could, I could see you rolling them through the visor. If I was sedated, I couldn't be less enthused by the so news much, that Joe Flacco is coming back so to be Joe a backup. Joe Flacco hate. You want to go another half hour here? We're only about an hour and a half in. You and Brad had like a really short podcast on Monday. Let's just keep Well, that's because Brad was desperately trying not to hurl mid-show. Because yeah. you, you forced the poor guy out of his deathbed. To, I was hurling. To go so. on the show. I fully intended on making the show until 15 minutes prior. Yeah. <laughs> Did not go well. Okay. Luchena um, <clears throat> Nwosu is going to sign with the Seattle Seahawks, the uh, edge rusher, former Charger. He's making, a, was it up to $10 million a year, I believe. I like Nwosu, probably not for that price. Uh, Nwosu, uh, one of my other favorite moves, I got to see, I didn't see the terms, Obo Okoronkwo mm. from the Rams signing with the Houston Texans. When you're evaluating this class, you have guys like Nwosu, who have edge slash, you know, drop into coverage ability. Okoronkwo has some of that. Are you uh, any closer to having any freaking idea what the Houston Texans are doing? I don't. Did we get terms on that, though? Because I was joking. I like this move for Okoronkwo, but I, if it's for like one, one or two years, yet. I but don't so know. so far, you remember last year they just went out there and they signed like a million players to either one- or two-year deals that didn't cost anything? But this year they're signing everybody to two-year deals. But they're doing, no, they did Next a lot year of that. it's going to be three-year deals. They did a lot of that last year as well. They were two-year cheap deals. And do a lot of one-year deals. So it's the same thing, right? They've, they're either signing or re-signing a lot of the players that they signed to one- and two-year deals last year to one- and two-year deals this year. So the likes of Desmond King, MJ Stewart, Terrence Brooks, Okawankro, uh, Christian Kirksey, Malik Collins, uh, AJ Can, Justin Britt, Cedric Aboyhe, Farrell Brown, Chris Conley, and Jeff Driscoll. Every single one of those players is either on a one- or a two-year deal. Actually, Okoronkwo, it's just a contract so far. We don't even know how long he's there for. That's the one I can't wait because that's the guy I would, if you get him for the right price, right. maybe lock up for three years. But the thing years, is, you almost invalidate it by the fact that everybody else is signing the same contract. So, like, yeah, if you can get him for two years for not much money, great. On the other hand, that's what you're doing with everybody else. So what is the strategy here? Creeping back to below average across the roster is what they're doing. I honestly, it's they're just treading water until they can get Deshaun Watson off the books and that really start is, the project. I mean, look, it really is what, what they're doing. They are assuming they're going to get three first-round picks, a second-round pick, plus players. I've never seen this executed before. Like, I've never seen a team genuinely and deliberately just tread water for multiple years until you can even start whatever it is you're planning on doing. Yeah, like, they're, they're When doing has there it, been an owner that's been okay with that? They're just doing it in reverse because normally you just you have all this draft capital. You know that the draft picks are going to be the core of your team. And then you add complementary pieces. It's not – it's unexciting, but it's not as bad as it looks. Again, like bringing back Justin Britt, bringing, bringing in A.J. Can, bringing, in, uh, bringing back Malik Collins. Like you're just getting – Half decent players, Collins is kind of up and down, but you're just getting half decent players along the roster with the idea that your all those first round picks you're going to get, if there's a, a specific player, a good young player that you're going to get in the Watson deal, whoever that might be, 
those guys are going to be your nucleus. And these are all your complementary pieces. Again, you're just whatever analogy you want to use from last year, like we're hanging the curtains before the foundation's laid. Yes, that's happening. But you know that the foundation's on the way, like the concrete's on the way. Yeah. Some at some point, maybe this week. But now what you've done is is you've taken down those curtains and you've flipped them for different curtains that are still, you know, cheap and worthless. And you True. still don't have any foundations. Yeah, but the concrete's on the way. Great. It's on the way. It still feels like messing around with the curtains and the, the shower rails are a little bit it's a little bit irrelevant right now. I did I did hope to see more of the younger players that are gonna be there three years from now. Yeah, for the Texans, like it's literally they're not even at a they're not even doing something that would that that lays any like even if you're only chipping away at a tiny piece of the foundation, right? Like we're what we're going to do is spend the next two years doing nothing but bringing in like players 23 and younger on the basis that like three or four of them will turn out to be quite useful and they will be part of the rebuild going forward. They're not even doing that. They're literally just like, let's just bring in bodies so that we can actually field 53 guys in a season and then we'll do, just to just get, like, just fulfill our contractually obligated, <laughs> obligate, like our contractual obligations. To play football So that we year. don't get, I, I'm just here so we don't get fined. That's what the Texans are doing. The Texans are executing a, a multi-year version of the Marshawn Lynch press conference where he just went out there and go and went, I'm just here so I don't get fined and, and answer to every single question that went his way. The Texans are going to have to play 17 games next year and in every single one of them it's just, these are the 53 guys we're able to find and sign to a contract so that we could fulfill this game so they don't, we don't get fined or kicked out of the league so that we can be here in two years time when we finally traded this giant albatross that's been hanging around the franchise for the last two years, milk and money, without playing. Doesn't feel like a great strategy. Ain't nothing to add to your Texans takes. Certainly not one to be excited about if you're a Texans fan. You have a helmet, you might get signed. Yeah. I want to talk Bucks. Really yeah, you see quick. now. Now we've reached the point where it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Uh, you just have to scroll up in the chat when everybody's complaining about the shine coming off of Sam's head. But to answer it, yes, it is to hide the bald head. It is. It is. Um, the Bucs are trying to, uh, I don't even want to say run it back, but the Shaq Mason deal for a fifth round pick. Steal. Um, again, as it, I'm complimenting teams for paying 7 to $10 million for their guards, other than Brandon Scherf, for some good starting guards. Yeah. Shaq Mason's going to be 7 to $8 million over the next couple of years, plus a fifth round pick. Huge win for the Tampa Bay Bucs. Yeah. I don't know if it's a massive loss necessarily for the New England Patriots, but I, those are the teams I want to talk about too. I feel like the Patriots, the Saints, they're just a couple teams that are not doing anything and have many question marks. I think the Cardinals, even though they've done some stuff, sitting here with a lot of question marks coming out of free agency. I think those stories are as – it's easy to talk about the Chargers, the Jets, and the Jaguars, and the teams that are doing a lot of stuff. Teams like the Patriots, who are seeing their players signed to elsewhere or start or trading one of the best starting guards in the league for a fifth rounder, what's New England going to do going forward? They've also re-signed the heart and soul of both their defense and their special teams. Who's Devin that? McCourty yep. is back there at 127 years old, and Matthew yep. Slater is still back as their special team's ace. So they're good. So they're all set. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to, like, his entire career, his tenure is characterized by getting out a year early, you know? You're going to get rid of a player a year before they go over the cliff, right? Matthew Slater is going to be 52 and still <laughs> running down on punt coverage 
and Belichick Wait. is just going to sign him up. It's, they they resigned the heart of the soul of their offense too. James White is back and Brian Hoyer. And Brian Hoyer. You have James you have you have the heart and soul of your offense, defense and special teams, you're right. Well, perfect. I do believe that the Belichick a year early thing though is not really valid. I mean, it's that's pretty much run its course, right? I mean, Tom Brady's one of them, but that's besides the point. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't um, help. Like, even like Asante Samuel went and had good years, right? Yeah. Um, other players have gone, and Logan Mankins was not a trash player, I don't think, with the Bucs when they got rid I mean, they just – they Richard you... Seymour went and had, I think, two good years with the Raiders. Like, they've, they've just – I think they just hit a point where they don't – See that the value doesn't match up with the production. There's it's very not that they few, immediately hit a cliff. No, once but there's leave. very few guys that have gone and been as good post New England than have been there. Like they, I mean, the point was always that he gets out a year early, not that he gets out immediately when they become trash. Yeah. Like the point is, he gets out, and then within a year, within two years, that guy is not going to be the same player. And that has broadly been true. Like a couple of guys, Asante Samuel, I think, is a good one, and obviously Brady. But beyond that, most of those guys are definitely on the way down. So the other interesting thing about New England in general, right, is last year they went completely against the script and spent half a billion dollars in free agency. Yeah. And again, what I mentioned earlier in the show, all their top cap hits are essentially last year's free agent class. This year, it's the Texan strategy. Now, when you at least alternate – those strategies that kind of makes sense to me, right? So now it's for the Patriots. It's a whole bunch of one and two year signings. It's bringing back James White and Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater, like you said, kicker Nick Folk trading Chase Winovich for Mac Wilson, which I like. I mean, we were Chase Winovich fans coming out, and I mm. think he's he's been a pretty effective pass rusher in the NFL. Fell out of favor in New England. I think that is a good move for the Browns. Patriots have nobody playing linebacker right now, so Mac Wilson slots into play and probably signifies. Again, along with J.C. Jackson being moved, a pivot, a change in how New England are playing defense. Because the Patriots linebackers, Jawan Bentley, Dante Hightower, these 255-pound thumpers that could take on guards, that could, you know, attack fullbacks if they ever find them. They can just dominate without being um, without being blocked for, right? They can actually handle things on their own. They're now being replaced by guys like Mac Wilson, who's smaller, can run in space, can cover a bit more. I think that among a lot of the moves that the Patriots have made on defense signifies this shift in strategy. Yeah, yeah. Terrence, Mill- Terrence Mitchell and Jalen Mills are the starting corners right now in New England. Yeah, that's not great. Um, we came in saying, uh, I know New England fans are saying, "Where's wide receiver one for Mac Jones? Where, where's the top receiver?" Receivers right now, you've got Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. It's not a it's not a trash group when you add Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry there, but you would rather have a top guy to push those guys down the depth chart a little bit. Um, offensive line wise, you have three starters back. You have two. You have a probably right guard and right tackle to figure out still. So there's just a lot of questions in New England. Not that they don't figure it out. With um, they do a really good job of getting those average to slightly above average players that are capable, but this is when you're you have rookie contract Mac Jones, right? So their spending spree that's that's kind of like what I'm saying, right? We're we're talking about the Bengals, we're talking about the Chargers with rookie quarterbacks heading into year three. Patriots have their rookie quarterback heading into year two. Last year they did their spending. Compare all the money that they spent in free agency 
on the players that they spent on compared to, say, the Bengals and the Chargers. I like where the Chargers are going with their spending spree in particular. Yeah. Maybe the Bengals a little bit more. Well, those two, the difference between is that those two teams are 100% convinced that their quarterback is, is the truth, right? Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, we are sold. I'm sure New England is too. Nah, I don't think they can be. What are you talking about? How can you possibly convince that, that Mac Jones is Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? He doesn't have to be. He had a good season. He yeah. Had a very good season. Okay, but like there's a world of difference between being convinced that that guy is the absolute truth and we are like he He's can take a quarterback us. for at least the next four years. Right, but there, it, there's a difference being Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert versus a Mac Jones in his current guys, I think is very different in terms of how you would deploy resources because you know those two guys can take you to a Super Bowl. Joe Burrow, A, just did it. Justin Herbert has played at that level. You know that if you give them enough around them, they're going to make it. You don't know that Mac Jones can. So you're so not going to. How gonna, does that even affect your? How does that affect your team building? Because strategy? you're not going to recklessly like they have a window right now that with this rookie contract we have a period of time that we can kind of we can overcommit. We can spend more than we're bringing in because we have this like little window of time where this dude's contract makes everything easier. If you're the Patriots, you don't know that the guy's capable of winning in that window, so you're not necessarily going to mortgage the future for now. I think it's, it's the same exact strategy, though. No. Because if you have, even if, even if Mac Jones is in the middle tier of quarterbacks, and whether it's upper middle middle tier, upper middle tier, whatever it is, even if he's in the middle tier, the only way to win with a middle tier quarterback is with an exceptional roster around him. It's the same strategy, whether you have an elite first, first, first contract quarterback or a good or average first contract quarterback. You do what you can to win. Like I said, Mac Jones is at least the quarterback for three more years, likely four with a fifth-year option. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to sign him long-term beyond that. You've got to do everything you can to win with that window because the advantage is still there's no money spent But with Herbert Jones. and Burrow, you can overcommit to the next couple of years before that window disappears and his contract ends up being the giant money second deal. with You can't do that with, with Mac Jones because you don't know if he's even going to be the guy going forward. So you can't like... When, look, when is that? You don't think he's going to be the guy after year two, year three? I don't know. But like, how can you possibly know that after year one? He hasn't played at that level yet. Ever. I mean, his level wasn't that much different than year one Joe Burrow. Or are you saying, like, give it right, one more year and after, figure like, it out? It took year two Joe Burrow for you to be like, oh, 100% now. Yeah, but you still knew after year one for Burrow and for Herbert, like, well, this is the guy. It's the guy we invested in. Let's go. Go get it. Same thing happened with Baker in, in Cleveland. Let's go. Go get it. I mean, maybe that's your argument against. Baker fell off a cliff, and now we're sitting here with a pretty good Browns roster and no quarterback, potentially, if they trade him. All right. What else you want to touch on? I just closed all my tabs by accident. I got to bring them all back here. That's a real shame. What else is uh, tickling your fancy here in free agency? <laughs> tickling the fancy. Either teams, good or bad. Who? Which teams need love? Which teams need love? Let's talk about the Steelers. Love. Steelers are doing a decent job. I think um, so. Yeah. So they bring in James Daniels, which I think is an important and needed move to the offensive line. I, yep. I, I mean, re-signing Okorafor, okay. I don't love that. But fine. Um, it's not massive money, but it's more than he should be paid, I think. Signing Trubisky, okay. It's not the most money in the world, but it doesn't feel like a great move. Um, like they're, Most of their moves, I think, have been kind of in that treading water uh, area. But the signing of James Daniels is a good move. 
Yeah, I like the James Daniels move. Um, the Trubisky thing, isn't it just a matter of perspective, man? Like it's. Yeah, I don't. So we we've been we've been called Trubisky haters or whatever you want to call it because it's fine. It's not. Yeah, like my. I would like to – I haven't heard a sort of definitive how interested were the Giants. That's what I would like to know about the Trubisky thing because – You mean if that drove up the price? No. So the Giants – it was reportedly down to the Giants or the Steelers. But I don't know if that's like, hey, Trubisky's only interest in those two teams or if that's like the Giants are actively pursuing him and the Steelers ended up going a little bit higher and that's where he went. I think the, the one thing that would make me interested in Trubisky going forward is if – the Giants were very interested, given Brian Dayball being essentially the only guy with firsthand knowledge of where he is right now, right? Yeah. Trubisky spent a year sitting behind Josh Allen in Buffalo, where Brian Dayball was the offensive coordinator. And if he came out of that year wanting to bring Trubisky to a place like New York, where they don't necessarily have a guaranteed starter in Daniel Jones, that at least makes me more interested in what Trubisky is right now. If we're just like collectively deciding that a year sitting in the general vicinity of uh, Josh Allen and Brian Dayball will automatically, through osmosis, have made Trubisky a better player, I mean that's just there's nothing to that, right? It's just it's projection. It's it's bullshit. It's made up. If but if if you're, if, if you're saying the Steelers expect to see this, like if great if if Dayball wasn't interested. I think it says something. If Dayball was interested, I, I think it says something. And I think each one of those things is actually instructive for where Trubisky, yeah. what you could expect from Trubisky in Pittsburgh. And I, I think it's just a – it doesn't keep Pittsburgh from drafting a quarterback. If anything, it's, it actually, I think, signals that they're going to draft yes. a quarterback. And by the way, there's no – like, this is an int- – it's a – it's one of those rare scenarios where there's no middle ground. This is actually, they were either interested or they weren't. There's no, like, hedge here. It's Dayball either was interested in reconnecting with Trubisky, which I think says something positive about him, or Dayball was not interested in connecting with Trubisky, which I think says something negative about him. I'm interested in more, you know me, Mitchell Trubisky data points. Oh, God. I would love to see him play more football as a starter. I don't think he'll get the opportunity in Pittsburgh, to be honest. I do think they're going to either make a move from Malik Willis or they're, they're going to draft somebody. The, where Trubisky might get a shot to play is if the Steelers draft like a Desmond Ritter or whatever it might be in the second round, and Trubisky's the starter. I mean, Trubisky's probably the starter over Desmond Ritter day one, if he's the guy, just as an example. But I would like to see Trubisky – I would like to see if there was something to – the one game where he looked good in the preseason. I would also like to see, even though I don't think Matt Nagy like held Trubisky down, but given the way Matt Nagy finished with the Bears, there's some evidence to suggest that maybe that wasn't the best situation for quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I'd be interested in another year of, of watching Trubisky in a different situation. Cardinals uh, brought back Max Williams. There you go. So I like that deal. So they brought back both him and Zach Ertz, right? Yes. Back, so that makes me, again, with, with Arizona, A.J. Green, I mean, I, I, need, I want to see a better receiver I mean, there like, to replace Christian Kirk. Literally everything they've done this offseason has been re-signing players. Yeah. Colt and McCoy, James Conner, Zach Ertz, Max Williams. That's fine. I mean, that's a good, it's not a bad thing. They were a playoff team for a reason. But 
you would still like to see them attack something. Yeah, so having the two tight ends there with Zach Ertz and Max Williams, I like. Um, yeah, the, the James, James Conner last year, he was making under $2 million. And now he's not. <laughs> and now he's not, right? That's, what, that's the thing, right? It's, that's what's so tough about those things, right? Like last year, James Conner, dollar for dollar, especially at the position, really valuable. Now when you sign him to a long-term deal for a lot more money, I mean, good on Connor, but it's not as nice of a deal. Yeah, like teams, there's something to teams wanting to reward players for seasons like James Connor just had. On the other hand, the fact that James Connor just had a season like James Connor just had is actually a lesson in why you don't reward him for that season. You know what I mean? Because you can just go out and find the next James Connor for one year, $2 million and yeah. do the same thing. And I, it's, it sucks. Like, playing, playing running back in today's NFL is the last thing in the world you want to do if you're a football player because every available data point says that you simply should not give those guys money. You should, in fact, treat them like these horrible just objects that can be cycled in and out. They're, they're you know, they're usable pieces. They're, um, they're like they're perishables, just- right? They're like... They're it's like just the most replaceable position. Yes, in the NFL. they're like timing belts in a car. They're the thing that you're supposed to toss out every few thousand miles and replace, just because. Just because if it goes wrong, the whole engine falls apart. So, yeah, you want to reward them because they're people and humans, and that's the way that a lot of people want, are are wired. But from a purely detached, you know, clinical team building process, and where is the place you should put your resources? It shouldn't be giving a guy like James Conner a contract off the back of that. Yeah, so that's you know my, my concerns with the Cardinals are probably similar to last year. They're starting corners as of right now, Marco Wilson, Breon Borders. Yeah. So and Byron Murphy in the slot. But I think they still have they have work to do at corner. They have work to do at receiver. I think even with Rondell Moore there, probably two receivers that I would want. I mean a lot hinges on what you can project Rondell Moore into be going forward. Rondell? Yeah. Do you think he's a legitimate, I, I don't want to say outside receiver, but a legitimate full route tree slot receiver? Yeah, I think or, he has the potential. So more to than be just that. a gimmick. I think he has the potential to replace like 100% of what you lost in Christian Kirk, plus the gimmick ability that he has already. Now, that doesn't mean he will, but I think he has that potential. Um, let's finish this by one thing I want to ask you is with Aaron Rodgers signing his new $150 million contract or whatever that is. Is anybody interested in Jordan Love? Hmm. Yeah, the the, the last musical chairs team. But it's, I, it's only it's not even that. It's literally just the Seahawks, right? Because Carolina can't hitch their wagon to Jordan Love. It's probably just the Seahawks. Yeah. So Jordan Love is the one, or the Seahawks rather, are the one team where Jordan Love as a long long term roll of the dice makes sense. The other teams that could be are like the Falcons, if you're going to sit them again. But he's heading into year three. Like you're running out of right. time where Jordan Love is cheap. Yes. Where you're going to get a look at Or him. you can even figure out what he is before you have to pick up his fifth-year option. And the blah, Saints, blah, blah. maybe? Saints? But they kind of feel like they want, a, they want an answer now. Like the Seahawks, I, as far as I can tell, are literally the one team where it's like, so we bring in Jordan Love, we take a shot, and if we think he's the long-term future, now we're, we're getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But he, yeah. does, he doesn't even need to be good this year. He just needs to be able to convince them that he's a guy going forward. But the other teams I'd look at are the teams that, like the Colts, Saints, Falcons, 
who would like the Packers. The Packers don't want to have Jordan Love just sitting on their bench because they're assuming Aaron Rodgers is going to play beyond one year now, even though <laughs> he could be hoping, even point. though he could retire at any point. The other teams might end up as either bridge options. They might have bridge quarterbacks like the Colts, the Saints. Um, the Falcons are Matt Ryan is essentially their bridge quarterback at the moment right now. They have one in house. So those are the teams that might want to pay for one year on the bench for Love and then maybe look at next year as their guy. The thing about Love is, like, what's his value right now? I think he was drafted in the first round when he was a second-round prospect. Others had him lower. I think after seeing what he, seeing that there hasn't been any signs of tangible progress, either between the preseason or one start, I don't think his value's up. So what's he worth? Fourth-rounder? Third-rounder? Yeah, third, maybe. Maybe a third? Um and I like taking shots on those guys. Like, I didn't mind when the Dolphins spent a two on Josh Rosen just to, just to see. Um, obviously, that didn't work out at all. But it's worth – I'm willing to use second and third round picks to see if that guy can be my quarterback. But there's fewer teams that are that level of desperate for, say, a Jordan Love. The Rodgers deal is fascinating because if he plays that whole thing out, they're going to have a ridiculous cap hit his retirement year. They did – they did – do a, you know, it was a unique way of allowing Rodgers to not kill the team while he's there, but to kill him when he leaves. I mean, yeah. Which is good for Rodgers and his ego. They can rework it as time goes, but it's, yeah. yeah, it's not like they're likely to have a pretty severe cap hit at the point where he eventually does decide it's time to, did, to walk away. Did we fall? Did you, um, I know you guys talked about Devontae Adams a little bit when Brad was on here. What, what are they going to do with Adams' contract? Because he's not going to play on the franchise tag. Yeah. He could potentially hold out. How are they going to work both of those in? This year's fine. How are they going to do that for next year or beyond? I mean, they're just going to need to make it work because they can't. They're going to have to give Adams a contract. And the, with the, the deals like Christian Kirk flying in, it's making it harder and harder for the Packers to turn around and say, hey, that new Copkins deal is an outlier because it's becoming less of one as the time goes by. At which point you're just going to need to figure it out. The Chiefs are going to have the same deal with Tyree Kill, who was he was full eyeball emoji when the Kirk deal came in. Yeah, I was joking saying maybe that's Allen Robinson, but um, yeah, that's because the Kirk money. Every agent's using the Kirk money right now for the wide receiver market, which certainly isn't helping Allen Robinson right. or anyone. The you remember like for years it was always hey Tom Brady's taking less so that his he can be surrounded by a championship caliber team. When you looked at the numbers, okay, it was a thing, but it was never like. It's never a massive thing, right? Like he was enough right. to get. He still you. got paid. He still yeah. got his money. He still got his money, and it was always enough to get you, like maybe a slot receiver, a, a year. All of a sudden, though, when you're comparing it to like Aaron Rodgers, like Rodgers now getting, he's getting like a uh, his, he's getting paid seventy five million dollars this year, right? Now, obviously, the cap hit is lower, but now you're ta- you're comparing his cap hit to Brady's cap hit, and we're talking like half the money now. Yeah. And if you're Rodgers, again, it's like, well, sure, you, d- you deserve it. Nobody's arguing that, but so does Brady. So at what point do you sort of look at this and say, if, you, if your motivation genuinely is that second ring, should you be taking a little bit less? But the cap numbers as of right now, 28, 31, 40, aren't egregious. It's because they have the two void years where it's 59 and 53, those fake years that eventually they're going to have to pay on the back end. I love that it's when he's 42 and 43, Rodgers. Yeah. 
man, that's where it gets that's where it gets tough. I mean, Rogers really structured it that he's not he's not killing the cap right now, but the year after he leaves, unless they do some more restructuring, the year after he leaves, it's it's trouble. And the further he the longer he plays, the worse it's gonna be. Yes. As far as that last cap hit. Anyway, I think that's it. We got a full show to do tomorrow, too. Sweet. We can ramble about everything. Oh, that was fun. We're just going around the horn, talking about the entire NFL. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in. If you're in here late, it's because, yeah, Sam is bald. His bald head was a little shiny, so he's wearing the helmet. Don't forget, we have our charity drives, too. I kept forgetting to mention you didn't win yet, right? No, not yet. Okay. Charity drives are still going. At uh, PFF underscore Sam, at PFF underscore Steve, our pinned tweets. I'm raising money for Heritage House here in Cincinnati a faith-based recovery program. I'll do combine drills if I win. And I'm way behind right now, $640. Sam, so go donate to mine right now. Go, pause it. Go donate to mine right now. And then Sam will do the Jackson Mahomes TikToks. He's doubled me at $1,396 so far, raising money for Sunshine Kids, Kids for Cancer. And clearly, I'm demonstrating today that, that I have no problem making myself look like a tit. You don't. Either You're talking about before or after the helmet well either okay yeah. well that's good one was unintentional one was intentional <laughs> and uh we're gonna start another gofundme for some sort of uh i don't know mattifier or whatever for your head i don't need to go fund me for that okay i can good. afford my own mattifier okay good powder i'm sure there's something or we could just like you know let's turn some of these lights away from my shiny head that's true we could do some different we, light tilting because no, if i get more lights i look more ghostly we probably don't need 15 lights shining down on my head that's all i'm saying that's a fair point we'll see what we can do here in the studio anyway free agency hasn't started yet we just covered it but it hasn't started we got just over an hour left enjoy free agency enjoy the official official signings hopefully none of your team's players renege and then Sam and I will be back here tomorrow to just recap the actual beginning of free agency. So join us tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, here on YouTube. And then, uh, of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Thanks, for everybody, to everybody, for tuning in. See you tomorrow.